Salutations, traveler, and welcome to the luxury model of the Sea of Stars. It's the same thing as the old Sea of Stars. You just paid to be here, and for some reason, you don't want to hear my voice while we're doing the episode. So, for this, it is ad-free. And also, unfortunately, troll-toll-free. I'm being told you don't even have to give me your requisite attention and regard because you paid actual human money for this, and frankly I feel a little bit hurt and jipped, but I suppose that's your choice. Close your eyes and listen to the sound of my voice. Imagine a land dominated by massive forests. Trees so tall they put skyscrapers to shame. As we watch, the massive trees bend and sway as equally massive animals walk beneath their boughs, pushing them and shaking them. Now imagine a path bordered by massive vegetation, ferns straight out of the Jurassic period and the like. Walking down the center of the path, cool and calm, and as if he's done this a million times, is a man. We find ourselves walking along a path. Surrounding you on all sides are massive old-growth trees. The branches of these trees don't start for 15 or 20 feet above the forest floor. The path you are on is not overgrown. In fact, it is incredibly clean and well-maintained. But the canopy above you completely blocks out the direct rays of the sun, making it so you are walking through a dim emerald light. All around you, you hear sounds of the forest. You hear rustling and chittering of small animals. You hear rustling in the brush around you. You hear some bigger things. In the distance, occasionally, you hear of bigger animals. As Makepeace listens to the clock, clock, clock of his horse walking down the path. What is he feeling? Peace. Make peace. Feels at ease here. He spent a lot of his youth outside. And while he doesn't like to name his horses, it doesn't mean that he doesn't enjoy the company of one. Mostly because, well, they're quiet. And while a person who is unaccustomed to traveling like this might be a little anxious about being alone or not sure of their own safety, Makepeace knows what he's doing and is taking the, the, the proper precautions. Okay. Um is Makepeace using any magic to conceal himself? No. He's just doing his thing? Yep. Okay. He finds that the the ring of his musket 
in a quiet forest does wonders for deterrence from unwelcome visitors. Okay. Make peace travels along this shadow dappled path. As he breaks the tree cover into a large clearing, he gets his first view of a familiar sight. This is a settlement that is somewhere between a town and a small city. It's called Wakili, and you've been here several times. It's on your beat. Mm-hmm. Most recently, you actually settled a pretty important case here. Would you care to expand on that? It wasn't so important, really. Just, just a little more complicated than normal. There was a question of uh, paternity uh, with a child. And due to the child's mother and both potential fathers, all coming from fairly magical stock, the odds that the child born would be fairly magical or even unusually magical were pretty high. Because of that, both families wanted the child to be raised under their own roof while the mother really just wanted the child to be raised with a loving family and frankly didn't have much interest in finding out who the biological father was so much as she wanted to find a father that wanted to raise a child the way it was all resolved was I did the necessary rituals to find the paternity of the father. However, I gave them a third choice. I'd keep those to myself. And more so, I'd give them the option to try something different. Sarah, the mother, had no interest in living full-time in one house or another. She did believe in a village raising a child, and beyond that, she believed that multiple inputs led to more thought-out points of view. She was happy to let both men be fathered. And the truth is, she's enough of a woman that both men saw some grace in that. And that's where they ended up. And from by all accounts, since then, I've heard from other parties that it's going well. But this will be my first time back since. Okay. As you walk into the, the clearing uh, that makes up the town slash city of Wakili, you were greeted to the site of a large ironwood grove. The ironwood trees are unique. They... The ironwood trees are unique. They almost look like a blending of different species. They have the evergreen qualities of a pine tree, and the and they have the needles of a pine tree, except for they're a kind of a almost metallic color. 
The real meat of the tree, though, is in the trunk, where a pine tree doesn't grow much wider than, I don't know, two hands around it. This, this can grow six or seven full-grown men holding hands all the way around the iron tree and still not make the circumference. They're tough as hell, and they're hard to climb unless you know how to do it. And one of the most unique things about the ironwood groves is that the branches don't start up until about 25, 30 feet, but the branches extend out a far way and interlock with the branches of other trees. And if the ironwood grove feels threatened, because despite what anyone might say, they are some kind of sentient, they'll drop their branches down and form an almost impenetrable wall, and those needles are razor sharp. Okay. So to the left of the village, as you approach, is the Ironwood Grove, with its massive boughs spreading out, not down, as if they feel threatened, but almost embracing a separate village made up mostly of temporary dwellings. You're talking yurts and teepees. And things like that. There is no stone construction in the ironwood. Everything is made from things that the people that live there, who are the ironwood guard, find on the ground around them and animal skins. Standing in front of the actual village of Wakili, which is to the right of you, is a grizzled old man that you know as Elder Barduin. He is the elder of House Kepup and he is what the people of Abukashi call a keeper. He is a single member of a clan that does not have a strong presence in the village um, who stays there as kind of a political li- liaison between uh, the more powerful clans and his own clan which does not have a strong presence there. As you approach he is standing almost as if he's meditating with his head down and you just see him hmm. I recognize the smell of peach trees anywhere make peace it's good to see you I figured I might as well get the bullshit out of the way first no, you gotta see me. You can take care of me first, then do your business. I was travels. He looks up. He is a grizzled old man who is incredibly hairy. Um, his house has a strong affiliation with dire bears. And this man is a bear of a man. He is massive. He's probably 6'4", six, 6'5". And built like a like an NFL linebacker. 
just covered in hair. He is wearing a very, very stylish uh, cloth wrapping around, along his waist with a very intricately, intricately uh, colored uh, ironwood needle belt that covers his entire lower extremities. It's so big, it's almost like a, a dress or a kilt, I guess is the better word for it. Uh, his chest is bare, but his chest hair is braided and shaved in interesting patterns, um, which is not normal for most clans within uh, Awakeshi, but it's not un it's not irregular for the keep up um, or the kept up. He has a massive beard. And his hair, which is which is braided in long one long braid that goes down to his waist, and his hair is done up in very intricate braids that fall all, all along his head, almost like dreadlocks. What do you say when after he greets you? That's it, Elder Bardwin. You know, you can say that now is the first time that you're. Smelling peaches in quite some time. I could have swore that I saw you about, I don't know, seven miles back. You looked about three feet taller and a little hairier. Elder, ba Elder Bardwin looks at you and smiles. All of his teeth are filed to points. He goes, <laughs> Man, never let the secrets go and make peace. You know that. <laughs> I do. Uh, I will say I thought about jumping yet because I didn't think you noticed. Well, then that would have been the second mistake. <laughs> Maybe for you or your horse. Worst would have happened if you would have soiled yourself. It's fine. That's far from the worst thing that ever happened to me. Fair enough. No, I hear, Magpiece. This is some some rough shit. We uh we've heard stories of this shit happening with the bank. We didn't think it would happen to us. I'm not gonna say more on it because I don't want to be asked to testify. But make the right call, please. Hmm. The right call. One more. Give me any kind of insight as to what that might be. Yeah, you walk into that bank, you find that freaking maestro, and you rip his fucking throat out. Nah. I'll keep that in mind. Are you going to go pay respects to the Grove, or are you going to go right in? I think I'm going to go to the Grove first. All right. I'm going to walk with you up to the edge. I've got a little nephew... Who's with the god here? I want to say hi. Hmm. Well, aside from the unpleasantness that I'm sure I'm about to encounter, how are things in Wakili? Things are pretty good, I guess. Good as they always are. Would be quiet if it wasn't for the damn maestro. Um, heard some rumblings from down south about the 
the Vargenzi raiding again. Maybe coming up the rivers. Been keeping watch. Mm. Well, if they get off their boats, they won't get back on them. We both know that. Not with good old Makepeace here, I guess. <laughs> All right. So you guys walk up from the uh, the tree line, and the village around you is very lively. Um, there are four large longhouses that are very, very intricate. They are all surrounded uh, by wooden pickets uh, that are intricately carved. Uh, so that the walls around them are works of art into one of themselves. Um, and the buildings themselves are interesting. Not weird for you, but someone that isn't used to the Abukeshi would maybe think of them as an eyesore. All the buildings are long two to three story structures that just have outgrowths cancer sprouting out all along them. These, this is something that does not happen in the major villages when you're in the, the capital of Sonorum you wouldn't see this it's much more artistic these sorts of things happen inside the longhouses but out here on the, the outskirts when people want to expand either to increase living space for their own family or maybe just to be more impressive they build out and usually build out high so there are the longhouses are these long buildings with little rooms on stilts built out all along them the buildings themselves are covered and painted uh, in expansive murals that are always very pretty and they're surrounded by sculptures but we're not going to go there yet Instead, we walk towards the Ironwood Grove. How does Makepeace feel as he approaches the grove? Safe. He, uh, he understands that his position is a somewhat unique one. He's not from this region of Abakashi. He's not from anywhere close to here. And he didn't grow up here, but... He's felt a kinship with the Ironwood Groves, whether it's here or anywhere else he's been. There's something about their unyielding permanence. They feel like living mountains, and he finds that very settling. Okay. You approach these living mountains. And as I said, they're not surrounded by walls. The Ironwoods can do that themselves. Yep, they are the walls. But there are several guards. Whereas most of the uh, Abukashi dress in brightly colored, uh, heavily beaded clothes. Um, they're very, very stylish. Uh the young people standing around the outskirts of the grove are all dressed the same. They all wear dappled 
brown, light green uh, clothes that are easy to move in that are just covered in ironwood needles. You know that ironwood needles are very hard and when you bead them correctly they're as good as any armor. It's like wearing chainmail. And that is what the ironwood guard wears. Each of them also carry a thick baton. Uh, you see each of these young people is holding a short baton in their hands. Uh, some of them are practicing with it. As they practice with it, uh, they are whipping it out and it grows into a, sh uh, a bow staff or they are bending it and stringing it like a bow. Mm -hmm. These are called the, the holy bows. Pretty much every ab everyone in Abu Kashi has one. And they get it during their time with the Ironwood Guard, which every person, when they become an adult, gets drafted into. They are sent somewhere, not their home, where their house does not hold a whole lot of sway. Why it is done this way, no one really knows. There is definitely some constant talk that maybe you should just keep them home and have them serve in their home groves. But never seems to happen. Mm. As you approach, two of the young people come up to you and they one of them says, How you doing there, guys? Stay your business. I allow Elder Barduin to speak first as he is. Elder, ba Elder Barduin goes, Howdy. I'm here to talk to my nephew. His name is Joachim. And uh, this is the judge. He's here to pay his respects. The youth nods and then looks at you and goes, well, uh, your honor, of course you're allowed to pay your respects to the Grove, as is your due. You can go right inside. Uh, Elder Baudouin, um, yeah, uh, we have to talk about that. We're kind of in a lockdown right now because of the situation. We're trying to, not to be involved. Um, you go ahead, ju judge, um. But we we're we're gonna have a talk. I look back at Ella Bartman and say, Maybe you and I should have a talk because if everybody's trying to stay uninvolved in the situation maybe I'm I could use a more thorough briefing on what I'm about to walk into. Elder Bob Green um Seems kind of nonplussed that he's not being allowed to go see his nephew. He goes, yeah, may peace. Well, I'll see you when you leave, I guess. I'll be waiting here. You walk into... I, before I go, I look back at the young kid I got and I say, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the young person seems very uncomfortable. Um, as you walk into the grove, it's almost as if... The sounds from the outside don't penetrate. You're immediately filled with 
a sense of peace and you feel a little bit more energetic when you walk in. Um, you almost feel more powerful as you walk in as well. Uh, what do you do? Am I in a clearing or am I still under the canopy of the trees? When you enter the Ironwood Grove, you're always under the canopy of the trees. So there's no, so there is no clearing. Nope. Well, the entire place is kind of a clearing because of how high the bows are. And how? And no plants dare to grow under an ironwood. Except for certain vines that kind of go up and down them. Um, that grow very specifically. Almost as if someone is telling them how to grow. Though the druids that work within the groves claim that they do no such thing. I, for a moment as I'm walking, don't think much about the ironwood trees. I'm more in just grateful for the quiet. The leaves, the, the needles, and the interlocking branches create like a sound dampening. So even my footfalls don't create much sound. And I'm a heavy, I'm a heavy footed person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't hear a bird call unless it happens right next to you and that's what makes the animal grows dangerous for people who are not welcome there because they will always be caught by surprise but for me in this moment where I feel no need to be worried for my safety I just relish in the quiet it's like time slows down and for a moment, there is no one there and nothing there to distract me from my thoughts. And I give a little bit of praise for that. As I relish the moment, though, I know I have things to do. So every judge has their own way of paying respects to the Iron Grove. There are some who disrobe completely and sit naked under a tree until they feel their respects have been paid. I've heard heard men say that they've stayed under a tree for hours, days sometimes, depending on what was on their mind. For me, however, I kind of stand and look up and look around and find a tree that I think looks friendly, which I understand sounds silly, but that's how I do it. I walk over to the tree and I put my hand on it and I talk out loud not because I need to, to be reassured by my own voice it's because I just relish in the way acoustically my voice is the only damn thing in that whole place so I know if they, if they, can, if they can hear me they do hear me I use a quiet voice and I just tell them I'm here. I'm doing the work as I believe it should be done, which is my expectation of why you hired me and appointed me here. If my job's unsatisfactory, let me know. If it's very unsatisfactory, please let me leave with all my arms and legs intact. 
And after I say that, I pause for a moment in meditation and I stay that way until I feel satisfied. Um, so that's what I do. I can't tell you how long it takes. Because as I said, time kind of stands still in these, in these groves. So as you do your meditation, you are filled with kind of a sense of belonging, followed by a sense of purpose. Um, you don't necessarily believe the trees talk to you, but in this moment, you get the feeling that they're basically saying, we trust your judgment. Hmm. I try as hard as I can to just allow myself to feel that rather than to dissect it. All right. You spoke into the trees. What do you do next? I reluctantly leave. Okay. Um, you walk out of the grove... Uh, and the second you step beyond the boughs, uh, right before you step out, one of the uh, young men and women that, that guard the outside of the grove nods to you. And you're just immediately smacked in the face with the sounds of everyday life. Um, you hear livestock bleeding, you hear some horses, you hear... Uh, wind that you didn't hear within the grove. You hear uh, the rivers that are that run on the other side of the town flowing. It's as if everything is turned up because of the silence that you were in before. And you also hear a voice that you probably didn't want to hear. You hear, Judge, make peace. Ah. <sighs> Good, I found you. This is all a big misunderstanding. I, I, I'd just like you to know that you could render your judgment quickly so we can all move on with our lives. I would very much appreciate it. You're greeted by a incredibly ostentatiously, ostentatiously dressed young man that you know as Maestro Fabian von Asterian. A representative of the Bank of Wakili. He is the maester of the bank, which means he's the leader of the bank. You, how, how much would you have looked into Maestro Fabian in the past before you got here? I don't think the make piece would look at everybody as a potential suspect. <clears throat> so, in that regard, Without having a reason to look into him, I don't believe he would. But if he had heard rumors, or if he had heard reasons to merit a closer inspection of the man, he would have done so without a second thought. Okay. I'm going to have you roll a lore legal to see how much you researched this guy before you got there. Twelve of the dice, and my bonus is a 
plus six, so eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Um, you definitely heard some rumors about this guy. Um, you know that he is from Sin itself. He is technically a member of the Wakili Bank, but you know he didn't really probably didn't spend a lot of time in his youth in Abukashi. He probably spent mo- spent most of it in Sin. Um, you don't really have much besides that, though. Can I roll a society roll? Uh, sure. For what? How often is it that a person who grows up and lives in sin comes back to work at a bank in the middle of the woods? Okay, go ahead. That's a 15 plus 6 is 24. 24. All right. It means one of two things. He is either being groomed for leadership or he screwed up. Wikili is pretty out of the way. It does have an ironwood. So he's not just in a real out of the way town. That said, you wouldn't expect the maestro of Wakili to do great things. So you'd probably fall more on the side of he screwed something up in sin and was sent here to kind of be out of the way. Mm. So as he says that to me, I, I say to him, Well, Maestro Fabian, I haven't been made aware of my purpose for arriving here yet with any kind of clarity. And since it wasn't you that asked me to come, I'd ask you to wait until I ask you for whatever insight you could offer here. He, whatever you're about to say, he just looks incredibly offended. And he goes, didn't, didn't ask you. I, sir, I'm the maestro of the bank here. I'm quite possibly the most important person in town. And you should respect that. I am giving you directions on how I want this to be handled. It should be handled quickly and without too much fuss. I expect you to do that. So, do your investigation. I know you have to go see all the heads of this backwater. Um, But we have our evidence. You are an arbiter, not an investigator. And we would like to have a speedy trial and get it over with. Uh, Can I roll a perception to see if this guy is being sincere? And if he's not being sincere, is he obviously trying to cover something up? Yeah, go ahead. That's not great. Uh, so that's 12. 12. Um, you don't get really much out of him. He seems very pompous. But that might just be how he is. So I say to him, I will be sure to keep that in mind. Thanks for telling me how you see things in this backwater hotel. Do you mean that to be a backhanded insult? 
why would he take it as an insult unless he felt ashamed at calling the town the backwater? I understand what you're saying. Are, do you mean it to be an insult? Um, I think that a person who was... Hold on. Are you testing him? Insulting yes, him? that's much more accurate. You're I'm testing, testing him. <laughs> okay. Um, Mr. Fabian picks up on what you're putting down. And he is immediately very offended and looks very nervous. I say to Mr. Fabian. I do appreciate, however, a man from sin being stationed here means that you know how things are supposed to be done. So I don't need to remind you to stay out of these affairs as I gather information. And if I think for a second that you're trying to limit the things I can gather or the people I can talk to, we'll have a different conversation. One that's perhaps more direct. But I know a man of your prudence and and worldly experience doesn't need that reminder. So I guess I just wasted my breath. Okay, I'm trying to decide whether I want you to roll diplomacy or intimidation there. Because it's a little bit of both. So I think what I'm going to have you do, I'm going to have you roll... Both a di- first roll of diplomacy. Be a good one. I can't read. Oh, it's. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now roll intimidation and do it with a minus five circumstance bonus. That was a botch, folks. I'm not using this dice anymore. Yeah. I would request to use your dice. I told you it was weighted. You did. Just for those people at home, I found this these dice in my house, and they looked cool, except for the the botch circle is like melted in. It's indented. It's in like so. So the heaviest part of the dice is below the botch. Okay. Oh, I'm not. I'm not letting you take those rolls back. Oh, you're not. I'm. Yeah. I'm double botching them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you say that to him, and he just looks at you, and he smirks at you and he goes well if that's how you feel make peace I'm sure you'll do an excellent job I wouldn't dare to interfere he snaps a very stiff about face and marches away does he now Mm -hmm. can I do a perception on that yep I have all kinds of questions. Is he... It's, is he showing military training? Mm-hmm. Go ahead and roll. Okay. That's a good one. That's 17 plus 6 is 23. 23. This is someone that has practiced that maneuver a lot. But that is not how yeah. military <laughs> men do it. 
It is how someone who wants you to think he has, a, he has military experience does it. But no, this is someone who practices that sort of thing in a mirror. God help him. Okay. Okay, so he, he marches away, and as he does, uh, Elder Barduin kind of moses up next to you and goes, He's a real right fucker, isn't he? Nah, I've seen worse. Have you? I don't ever want to be where you're at, make peace. He's just a city kid full of himself, probably pissed off the wrong person or wound up in the wrong bed or wound up in the right bed for the wrong reasons. Could be anything. Or kidnap somebody. As to that, I assume you know why I'm here. And the missive I got was quite anxious, but not very informative. Yeah, because we know the bank reads all that shit. About fortnight ago, you remember uh, Shauna Kiyampaka? I do. Well, about a fortnight ago, they were out gathering, you know, herbs. You know, Shauna Key is a pretty talented healer herself, and she's a druid and takes care of us with uh, her sister and all there. Um,. They were gathering herbs out in the woods, and uh, Fabian decides to wander out there and kidnap her. He brought her back to the bank, and none of us have heard of, heard of heard of from her since. Um, he says they're married now. The boy always seemed to have a bit of a thing for her, but. Uh, she never really reciprocated, if you get my feel, get my meaning. And it's just, it just doesn't feel right, make peace. He won't let us talk to her. No one's heard from her. No. Even Sarah tried to do a find and couldn't find her. Has Sean Key's people brought this concern to the bank? Officially. Of course. But you know, you know that uh, Bursar, whatever his name is, been here forever. Um, just kind of blew her off. Oh, that's interesting. I'm sure I'll hear more about that. Yeah, well. Anyway, make peace. You done right by by my people. Guess you gotta do right by everybody else. Good on you. I'm gonna. I don't know. Go kill a deer or something. <laughs> if you do, and I'm around tonight, I expect an invite for dinner. He goes, I would, but if I did, I'd insult the freaking... I would, but if I did, I'd be insulting the Aquilati, so probably won't happen. Maybe I'll invite you to dinner. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we're on good terms with him now. I haven't really talked to anyone from the home base. It was that thing a few years ago, but nah, no news is good news, though, right? Yeah, yeah, they won't care about it anyway. Me and Vasinki go way back. 
Speaking of which, I think that's my next stop. Yeah. Make the right call, make peace. Don't let us down. I heard you. Throat neck. Got that. And really just like right out. Intestines everywhere. That seems redundant after the throat thing, but, you know, I appreciate your thorough, your thorough nature. Nah, nah, if you... You know what? You probably know anyway. I don't need to describe it to you. I appreciate the faith. Like I said, good on you, make peace. He ambles away. Cool. Um, I take out my notepad and I jot down notes documenting the conversation with Maestro Fabian. Okay. I also use coded names for the elder, but note what he said. But the name I use is a code that only I know, in case someone does ever get my book. Okay. And then that guy ended up with a throat ripped out someday. Okay. So you head back into the town. Where are you heading? I'm heading to go see Elder Vicinki. Okay. So you head to the Aquilati compound. Uh, the Akulati are the preeminent house in Wakili. They are heavily associated with wolves. Um, they have a very strong tradition of being lycanthropes, which does not necessarily mean evil werewolves. It mostly means in uh, Abukeshi that they can transform into wolves if they need to. They're, More they're, like they're shapeshifters. Be- they're beast kin. Sure. Basically. So Twilight werewolves. Yeah. Copyright, um, not intended. <laughs> yeah, we'll edit that, edit that out. Um, anyway, uh, you head to uh, the Aqualotti pot compound. As you do, you do notice something. Or maybe you do. Roll perception. As can be an 11. An 11. Okay. Uh, you don't get it. Um, so you head to the Akulati compound, and as you get to it, because of the protocols of these things, um, you were greeted at the gate by someone that's not super important. Uh, do I do I do I think that because of the protocol of these things that it's gonna be a while before I sit down at an actual table? Um, I eat a piece of beef jerky before I go ahead. Okay, that happens. Um, the Aquilati tend to be pretty big on pretty big on uh, traditions. The wrong word. What's the word I'm looking for? Protocol. Protocol. They're, they're pretty big on protocol. Uh, but your experiences with Vasinki, he is a little bit different than the other Akalati that you've known. He doesn't. So it could go either way. Depends on how formal he wants to be. In this case, you're being greeted by a minor functionary. Um, you can roll a society to see if you know their name. So, uh, 19. 19. Uh... Yeah, so uh, you know this particular young man is named Brasser. Brasser is a young man that is not quite old enough to do his turn in the 
uh, Ironwood guard, but he is getting there and he's in training. So he would be someone that is able to defend himself. And he's not so low status as to be insulting to you, but he's not so high status as to um, be a compliment either. Uh, as you approach, he gives you a very formal nod and says, Judge, judge make peace. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> I, I, I heard what you did down south. Um, been studying it. For if I get stationed down there and have to fight the Vargenzi. Hmm. And what did you conclude? Uh, it, 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 it's brilliant. You did a great job. That I, I mean, I know you took heavy losses, but like, I think most places would be wiped out. They, they very, very well done, sir. You know what is interesting about a thing like that is that after it's all over, People always say, you took heavy losses, but you persevered, or you got through it, or you found a way, or some other platitude. But I really don't think they ever spent enough time on the, you took heavy losses. So think about how you feel about that event if you're one of the boys that didn't come home. Because most of the people there were the boys that didn't come home. Oh, I, I, I didn't mean... I, I didn't mean anything by it, sir. Uh, just, just the tactics were good, is all. Yeah, tactics. I appreciate that. Thank you. Especially since you weren't trained. I mean, that's. Well, surviving is different than tactics. You may want to look at the actual tactics. Oh, okay. I, I will do make peace. Um. I think that you're supposed to go see the the matron first, um, but Vasinki said to bring you j straight to him, so we're gonna do that. Is the matron gonna be frustrated by that? No, no, she did. She's she she. It's not that she doesn't want to be involved in this. It's that she's very upset, um, be, because it's her daughter. I reach into my pouch and I take out a small jar of peach preserves. Mm -hmm. And I hand it to the boy and I say, you give this to the matron with my thanks for allowing me to go see Elder Vasenki with such alacrity due to the events unfolding. And that I hope she enjoys it and takes that as my sincere apologies. I, I I will um she, she she'll appreciate it make peace um and I, I I didn't mean to make you think about things you didn't, I'm, I'm I'm sorry no reason to apologize kid oh, okay um okay I, I, I'll um and then you just hear from behind him I say I say to him you know speak slower because the faster you go, the harder it is. Take your time. And I think you'll find it gets easier. Yes. Make peace. I see you're doing it already. He seems to smile, and you hear from behind him. Make peace. Judge, make peace. Uh, it's really good to, to have you coming here. Um, been in a rough spot. 
I'll, I'll, I'll lead you to Ella Vasinki. Wait, so who, who said that? A young woman uh, is walking across the grounds of the compound. You, got, you are now inside, um, inside of the walls. The walls of the Alduin compound are expansive. It's the largest compound in Wakili. Um, the walls are all very heavily carved with various symbols and, uh, like, basically carved animals, carved shapes, carved designs, and roll in arcana for me. Okay. That's a 19. And that, that wouldn't be Arcana, that would be... Occult? Occult, yeah. Still a 19. Okay. Um, you don't know what any of them mean, but you do notice interspersed within like the, the artistic carvings along the walls, there are runes of power everywhere as well. So the, these walls are very magical. Um, as you step inside, step through the gate, uh, you see buildings like we discussed, but on the inside, you see topiary everywhere, statues everywhere, just symbols of wealth, wealth, and the, the good taste. Yeah, well, <laughs> their interpretation. Of yeah. good taste. I would say that these people think quantity has a quality all itself. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of them. They're not necessarily all artfully arranged or anything like that. It's like, it's like new money, suit and tie. Yeah. I, I can read you like a magazine. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, and striding across the grounds is a young woman. Uh, she's human. She is, which is, to be clear, most of the people here are elves. Um, this is a human woman. Uh, she's about... Five, 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 six, somewhere in there. Uh, a little bit on the short side, um, but she just, just seeing her, she seems so much bigger than she actually is. Um, she is the woman that was at the center of the case that you were here deciding the last time you were here. This is Sarah Bennett. Um, she is the woman whose daughter. Uh, needed to have her status within the clans uh, decided, and that you did decide. What was the name of her daughter? Uh, Eloise. Eloise. Um, she approaches. He goes. Oh my peace! It is really good to see you here. Um, you're getting kind of worried. You wouldn't come. Why? Well. It, We've been sending letters out, and um, we haven't been getting responses back. Do you find me the person that doesn't respond to things in a, in a timely manner? Well, no, um, but neither is the head council of the Alduin. Or, sorry, neither is the head council of the... God damn it. Neither is the head council of the Akulati. 
they didn't respond. Mm. And we've heard nothing from the the main branch at Sonorum. So, yeah, we were worried. Well, I came when I got my letter. I'm glad you received it. We uh, <laughs> a little bit of trickery on my part there. You might notice it was vague. Yes, I think that's why I got through. Well, that's why I came in a hurry. I I appreciate that, Makepeace. I really do. Um, why don't I take you to Elder Vasinga's place, and um, we can talk about it in private. I love that. All right. Follow me. Uh, she starts leading you into the longhouse. Uh, this so, part- since everybody's been on this high alert thing, mm-hmm. can I do a perception check mm-hmm. on just the tenor of the longhouse? And I'm measuring that not just by the by the subtle like you know the tension in the room that you kind of feel. Uh, ephemerally, but also the the presentation that people are putting forward of their own cells. Yep. Uh, do they seem to be made up, or do they seem to be a little not haggard, but rushed? Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll. Fifteen. Six is twenty-one. Twenty-one. Um. The people in the long the people in the Akulati compound in particular. In times of stress, people in Abukashi would not look disheveled. They look more. They would be more. They are very precise, very clean looking. And you're seeing a lot a lot of people who would have done their time in the Ironwood Guard have dusted off their old uniforms. Now, they're not in the drab colors of the Ironwood Guard, as they would have been, but that's not uncommon when you leave. You have your beads dyed, or you have your needles dyed, so that they match the colors of your house. And you put designs on it so you look good and stuff like that. But these are people that are ready for a fight. You see a lot of people, uh, a lot of ranging from the recently back from the guard to the people about to go to the guard to even the very old who probably shouldn't be practicing to fight. Everyone has their bows on them. Everyone is drilling. I'm going to, uh, as we're walking, just subtly take my hair. It's usually it's, it's usually done in a fairly... Intricate may be the wrong word for it, but a braid that takes time. Well, why don't you uh, take a minute here to describe yourself, make peace? I'm human. Uh, I've got well tanned skin because I try to be outside as much as I can. I've got long black hair that. I said it's usually a kind of a, a kind of a braid, but in this instance, I let the braid fall 
with a little bit of magic and a little bit of just knowing where to pull. And then I do myself up in a basic, just a basic ponytail. And I leave one part of my of my suit, which is an unofficial uniform. It's kind of a a navy blue, well tailored suit that disguises the chainmail underneath it. Uh, to uh, I like to think about Big P says to. A working man, he would look like a dandy, but to a dandy, he would look like a working man. He kind of tries to toe the line between utility and style. But that's very calculated. He's very aware of his appearance. His face, his facial hair is meticulously groomed. It's very short and it's styled, articulated. Uh, with hard, hard edges and... Real quick, you mean articulated, you mean meticulously? I mean meticulously. Yeah. Yeah, not art- yeah. I don't mean it can bend elbows. I mean I mean that I mean that I mean the angles on it are severe and sharp. Uh along his along his chin line and then coming up into uh kind of a, a square mustache, kind of a goatee thing. Uh and he's gonna just take a little bit of time and he also wears a sword at his hip and a musket over his shoulder and has a shield and a small satchel at his side. And that's pretty much the whole the whole get up. But he's gonna take a second to kind of loosen the tension on his musket so it jangles a little bit. He's gonna take his lapel and kind of unbutton it just a tiny little bit so while it would look more put together normally, he looks a little underdressed. And that's by calculation here. Can I see the uh Okay. Uh as you're doing this, Sarah side eyes you and just kind of very obviously rolls her eyes and goes You happy Kashi? And your damn style. Um, I'll never get it. I like it. But I'll never get it. I have no idea what you're talking about, sir. Mm. How is Eloise? Eloise is good. Um, she uh, she's walking a little bit now. Um, Already. Yeah. Um. I don't know how much of that is muscle tone and how much of that is magic. It seems that people were correct. Well, you can probably count that by the number of hair she grows when she walks. Does she go on two or four? I I don't understand. It's a wolf joke, Sarah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um mostly four? <laughs> well, that's called crawling. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> it's very unsettling. <laughs> um. So she leads you through town, and as she does, she 
make some hand signs and mumble something under her breath. And she goes, all right. I don't think that anyone's going to be able to hear us here. Um, this is real bad, Makepeace. Uh, I, I'm listening to her, but I am, because she's taking these magic, uh, precautions, mm-hmm. I'll take some very standard ones. I will look for anyone and anything that I think is over, trying to overhear us, especially people that might not belong where we are, or things. Yeah, roll, uh, perception. Can I see the dice? I just turned it right over. Okay, that's 19. 19. Um, you don't see anyone watching you, specifically, but it doesn't mean they're not. Mm-hmm. And you, you understand that you might not notice everything around you. Yeah, being a level one character, I understand. Mm. Um, so, yeah... After she, she does her hand signs, she doesn't look at you, but she starts talking on the side of her mouth and goes, I'm pretty sure we're being watched. Um, keep an eye out for the hunters. They're here. They're, I was around. Um, and, yeah, it's unsettling. Aren't they usually around? Not like this. Not, I mean, they come into town a lot to with the caravans, but they don't usually get stationed here. Now that I know what I'm looking for, can I look for hunters? I'll let you roll one more time. Can I get a circumstance bonus to um, narrowing down? No, because you feel your last check. A 19. Well, a 9 ain't going to do it, so. No, you don't notice any. Um... She goes, so, I'm the one that found Parker, and uh, when I did, um, she was not herself. Forgive me for asking asinine questions, but when you say not herself, do you mean that she actually wasn't Parker? Or do you mean she was acting in a way that was not normal for Parker? Oh, it was Parker. Um, I did some magic to confirm that. But she was off. Make peace. I don't know what they did to her, but whatever it was, um, it was bad. You'll see. She leads you into the compound, uh, and you guys get led up to the third floor. There's a third, there's a three-story compound, into a room of privilege, which would be a room at the very top, uh, with expansive building out, so that Elder Vasinki's quarters are always able to get sun and stuff like that. Oh, a fancy game. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting within the quarter, within this quarters, uh, on a low mat, uh, is a, calling him an older gentleman would be 
wrong. He is a gentleman at the end of his prime. Probably early 50s. Um, or I should say, he's a gentleman at the end of what could be considered his prime. For for an elf, he, for an elf, he's probably in his early hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, his hair is starting to go to gray, mm-hmm. but it's still vividly red with streaks of gray. It's not completely gray. He is a very intricately styled uh, beard. It's short, but the lines in it are very clear and very meticulously kept. He is very well groomed. Um, he does. He has his hair back in a way that accentuates his, his pointed ears. Um, and he is wearing a very finely styled silk robe interwoven with uh, ironwood needles. So this it could be a very functional robe if you were attacked. But it's very loose. Which is very obviously custom made. Very obviously custom made. And not, not what he got when he was a member no. of the Iron Guard. No. Which, do all people have to serve the Iron Guard? Everyone, yes. Yeah. Make peace. Thank you for coming. Well, the message guy was fairly urgent and very vague. You know, those are my favorite. Yeah, that was Sarah's idea. Sent three of them to you before that. Oh, like, if you have the time, that someone, or you, or Sarah, could write down exactly what those messages were and who they were delivered to. I've got copies of the last two after we didn't hear back. You're usually a lot more uh, expeditious than this. The first, the first letter, I didn't think of nothing of it and just sent it out with one of the caravans. Uh, the second two, though, he pulls out two sheets, of, two sheets of paper and hands them to you. I read them. Uh, they are very direct. They say, make peace. I'm writing you because we are concerned about our sister Paka, who was taken, or sorry, our sister uh, Shanaki, who was taken, we think, against her will. Please come so that you can uh, arbitrate between the Akulati and the Ironwood Bank for her return. The second one says, make peace. This is my third letter to you. We have not heard back from you yet. We are getting concerned. Please get back to us. Shawnee has been gone for too long, and we want to know where she is. They're not letting us speak to her. Interesting. Same well, these are fairly direct, so... This is where you want to have this conversation. He looks at uh, Sarah. Sarah does some magic and casts a spell. Um, all of a sudden, the room is lit with a, a soft blue glow, and then it fades. Can I do a knowledge or kind of check, see if I know the spell? Sure. So this would be a lore. Either you use a cult. Do you have lore arcana? I have knowledge arcana. Uh, so either way, it's a 16. 16? All right. Um, you don't know the exact spell she used. 
but you understand the effect. This is a damping spell. It makes it so that people outside of whatever parameters she used can't hear you. Okay. I was thinking he goes alright here's the deal make peace we have an issue with the Ironwood the bank not the grove um, about a fortnight ago they took Shawnee now to be clear the bank of the Ironwood and the bank of Wahili are the same bank the, yes. Okay. There's only one bank in Abukashi, and that is the Ironwood Bank. Okay. Um, so if Maestro Fabian were to, come, were to come from Sin, he would have been... He would have come from the Sin that was part of Sinorum. So he would not have come from the Ironwood Bank? No. He would have come from the Ironwood Bank. He would have, okay. Each of the banks has their main base in the capital city, well, the largest city, not necessarily the capital, of each of the continents. Mm. Uh, in Abukashi, it is, I'm actually saying it wrong, it's Sin it's El Norum. Sin El I can't pronounce it. Um, mistake on my part. Sin El Norum. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, and it's usually based pretty near the ships, um, and it's you technically part of the city of Sin, uh, the part of the capital city that borders it and steps a little bit outside is where the, the banks usually have their headquarters. But I derive my authority from the Ironwood Grove. Yes. Not from the Ironwood Bank. No. You did used to work for the Ironwood Bank. Yes. But you no longer do. I understand. Um, Elder Vasinki says they came for him when they were gathering herbs and we wouldn't know anything about it if Sarah hadn't gone out there and checked and found Paka and she's real messed up and what about Sharky no word we can't find her anywhere um that maestro up there says she's at his residence, but won't let us speak to her or see her or anything. The bank seems to hold a lot of power here. The bank holds a lot of power everywhere. I want to take my time and go into my books. Mm-hmm. And... While he's talking, look up the rights the bank has with the population around them. Okay. Roll Lord Legal. And do it with a plus five uh, circumstance bonus. Awesome. So that's 15, this dirty 20, uh, 26. 26. You haven't critted yet, have you? No. Okay. No. Using your dice, I think that's why. <laughs> you can switch back. Um, okay, with 26. The first one I rolled with the bad one was a 20. That's why I kept using it. You find the passage that 
you think might apply to this. The Ironwood Bank, as part of their agreement with the Ironwood Grove, is allowed to take a certain number of Abukashi citizens every year as tribute. What is done with those people is not detailed in your, your legal notes. But it's hinted that it's bad. There are some stipulations, however. When this person is taken, it cannot be done in such a way as to cause an uproar within the population of that person's city. So, if shit gets real, the Ironwood Bank has to back off. So I said Ogasaki, and and I'll, because that that is a critical success here. Oh, not critical success. Yeah, that that's where we're gonna stop then. Uh, I would say Ogasaki, have you brought this directly to the Iron Bank? Yes, of course. Uh, we tried to speak to Fabian, and he just blew us off and told us not to meddle. And uh, we tried to speak to the the bursar, whatever his name is. And um, he kind of said the same thing. I understand. Well, can I talk to Pocky? Yes, of course. She's uh next room over. We kind of figured you want to talk to her. Also, haven't had any food. Yes. Ah, Jesus, make peace. I'm sorry. We've been. It's been a rough month. Uh. Well, if you want a treat, I gave a, I gave a can of peach preserves to the to the matron. That's I'm sorry for not paying my respects. <laughs> She's gonna love that. Oh man. The old lady might actually be... Uh, she loves your peach preserves, make peace. Always nice to have him. Probably bake it into a nice pie. Mm. I just like my bread. Um, he pokes his head out and says something. And very quickly, you're brought... Uh, the flatbreads that are eaten mostly in Abakeshi and some... Uh, of the, the mashed, like the corn mash that they eat a lot of, kind of mm. like a polenta mm-hmm. or a grit, or a grits, uh, and some cheeses. Mm. I have my heart set rabbits too. Mm? You could have known that though, could you? <laughs> um, Vasinki laughs at that. I look at Sarah, I go, you might have known that. Sarah goes, I'm not your... Uh, <clears throat> I'm not your housemate or housemaid there, mate. Peace. So uh, you can go and fuck her off there. Point taken. I eat uh, with zeal, mm-hmm. but care to preserve not just my appearance, but also the setting that I'm in to it not make a mess or anything okay 
that happens. Um, as you're eating, uh, another young woman, uh, this one fairly young, she's not quite old enough to be sent to uh, the Ironwood Guard yet. She hasn't done a rotation there. Um, you know that her and Shaunaki were very close, they're sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shaunaki is kind of, was well, was kind of a big deal in town. She's a druid. She's quite powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and Paka is not that. Paka is not that she's impotent or anything, but she hasn't really picked her path at this point. There's it. As she comes in, she is roll perception. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay. As she's let in, uh, she does seem a little bit off to you. Um, she seems to be trying to take up as little space as possible. Um, and she is let in and she looks up and she goes, Oh. Mm, I know I know you. Yes, Marcus. Big piece clover. Oh yeah, you you, you helped out with um with, with, with Eloise. I sure did. Oh. Well, like, real nice. Anyways. Yeah, she's doing great. We, we we play all the time. She's growing up real big. Well, that's what kids do, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's nice. Hmm. I understand there's been some trouble recently, Paco. Trouble? What? What trouble? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what trouble? <laughs> uh, I was referring to what happened to Shanaki. Shanak Shan. Mm. And Sarah goes, "All right, it's just just take it slow, take it slow, Paka. Just take a breath." And she goes, "Yeah, Shanaki. It was bad." And she just, her her eyes scrunches as she's in pain as she's talking about this. Can you tell me what happened to Shonky? Um, not, nothing. I don't think anything. Sarah, I need help. And Sarah goes, looks at you and goes, Alright, my piece. So, um, here's the deal. I'm going to do some magic. And um, when I do, I'm going to dull her pain. But it's going to be hard for her. So try to be as direct as possible and keep it short. Okay? I understand. Alright. Uh, Sarah sits down next to Paka, who also takes a seat, and starts chanting with her hand on Paka's shoulder. Paka starts to go limp and then comes back up and takes a breath and goes okay make peace let's uh let's do this is it true that you and Shaunaki were out gathering herbs in the forest the last time you saw her she flinches and goes yes is it true that Shaunaki was abducted 
in your presence? I, I don't, I don't know exactly. Um, <laughs> Maestro Fabian showed up with some of them there hunters, and uh, and said that Shank he was gonna come with him, and when he did. I thought that Sean Lucky would tell him to get piss off or something, but she went real still for a second. Mm, ah. And she went real still for a second, and then her face went blank. And then she goes, Yeah. She goes, Yes, Master Fabian. And just fouled him off, calm as can be. And I tried to stop her. I tried to stop her. But I couldn't move. I tried to get up and I couldn't move. And then I just couldn't move after they left. The Master Fabian, the Master Fabian seemed to focus on you at all. No, I, I don't know. I don't remember. It's clouded. It's hard. No, I don't think he did. I looked meanfully at Shonky. Not Shonky, I mean, not Sarah. Sarah is very focused on what she is doing. Uh, roll a perception check. That is a 17. She's having trouble keeping this, the pain in check. Oh. Do you remember, Paca, what you had for breakfast before you went to gather herbs? That... No, no, I. It's so hard to think of that day. Make peace. Do you remember what you had for breakfast the day that Sarah had Eloise? She goes, that was a long time ago. Um, that day was a big day for you, though. I imagine. Yeah, I didn't eat. We were all just waiting for the baby. Mm-hmm. And do you remember the last time that we ate a meal together? Do you remember what it was? He goes, yes, that was um, the feast after you, you, you made your ruling and everyone celebrated because everyone knew we were going to be fine. And what was your favorite dish of that, that feast? Oh, definitely the deer. Oh, wow. The blackberry pie was my favorite. That was good, too. Do you know what color Master Maestro Fabian's hair is? She closes her eyes tight again and goes, Maestro Fabian, I I don't know. I, I can't I can't remember. It hurts. Do you know or could you describe any of the hunters that were there? They I don't know, they were in in, in the hunter stuff and <laughs> Ah! Okay, I'm sorry, Makepeace, I can't. I take a page out of my notebook. I pass it across the table with a pet with a stylus. And I say to her, Could you draw a picture of Sharky on that day? She takes it and goes, I, I can try. 
Her hand is shaking. Um, I won't make you roll for this. Blood is starting to leak out of one of her nostrils now. She puts the... the quill onto the paper, and as she draws, her hand keeps jerking. What she hands you is a picture that is essentially a stick figure with just lines where her hand slipped. I turn the paper over and I pass it back to her and I say, I know this is hard for you and I know it might not sound important, but just for my own, my just as a favor to me. Could you draw a picture of me on the night of that feast after the ruling for Sarah? Okay. Um... She starts drawing. The, the, the shakiness is gone from her hand. And she draws a very nice picture. You know that Shanaki is an excellent artist. Paka. Sorry. You know that Paka is an excellent artist. Um, and it's a very nice picture. So when she's finished, and she starts to pass, the tape, pass it back to me, I say, it's not done yet. Could you sign that for me? He goes, oh, oh, of course. And she signs it. I fold it and put it in my pocket. Okay. I think that's that's all, Paco. Why don't you go get find some food? I know the matron has some peach preserves. And if you hurry now, she might not ruin them by putting them in a pie. Oh. Okay. Uh, and she gets up, Sarah. As she's, as she's walking, I say, don't tell her I said that. <laughs> <laughs> As she stands up, um, she lurches forward and Sarah catches her. Sarah says some more words, and Shanaki slowly just kind of falls asleep. She goes, she wipes the blood from her nose and goes, That was very hot on a make piece. Um, I hope it was necessary. Me too. I'm gonna get her to bed. I'll get her some bread with some some of the preserves on it, so she can try them. You've been listening to Risk and Reputation, a Sea of Stars story. The Sea of Stars and all properties held therein are the sole property of Andy Lou's Media and may not be reproduced for commercial use without our expressed written permission. This was part one of a two-part Patreon special detailing how Makepeace Clover came to be at the Lost Sock. I hope you enjoyed it. Original music was produced and scored by Basement Guy and Katrina Sheets. We would like to give a special thank you to you, our Patreon subscribers. You are a primary source of income for this podcast, and you help keep the lights on. So thank you for your support, and we hope this was up to your standards. And finally, we would like to thank the cast. Thomas Bellinger as Make Peace Clover, and Basement Guy as everyone else. As always, it has been a pleasure leading you through the Sea of Stars, but now... Get off my bridge.
It's the sea of stars. Give us just a piece of your attention. The sea of stars. Just a tiny piece of your mortal soul. The sea of stars. We'll spin and spin our stories till they're told. To fulfill your needs, we're here to cash in all our deeds. We're gonna brave our questing side by side. Orcs and elves and crooks all know that stories aren't just books. And if you can make them believe, you can satiate your greed. It's a sea of stars. Give us just a piece of your attention. The sea of stars. Just a tiny piece of your immortal soul. The sea of stars. We spin and spin our stories till they're told. We'll spin and spin our stories till they're told. Told. We'll spin and spin our stories till they're told.